0: I was hoping he was going to do that. All right, welcome to Chicken Space. This is episode 11. Mid-afternoon today, 90 degrees, and the uh, sprinklers are on the chickens. Some of them are in the shade. Some of them are out just uh, taking a a little shower in the sprinkler. And uh, today was the big day for hauling grain, uh, 6,000 pounds of it from the brewery and hundreds of pounds of food scraps, saving like 25 acres of food uh, from needing to be planted for chicken food. So anyway, welcome to Chicken Space. Be talking some more about calm and how to have that calm space in your life, turn off your fight flight free stress response. Um, I think that's what I have to share in this life. So be doing some of that. I appreciate those of you that are letting me know that makes a difference. And be uh, passing on this reminder to calm in our life today. All right, Chicken Space, episode 11. Glad you're here. To your home, across the ocean. It's been so long. All right, well, here we go. It's the afternoon. Like I said, it's like 90 degrees. Finished up those chickens. Um, spent a lot of time today collecting all that food, driving to Leavenworth, 6,000 pounds of grain and then lots of uh, food. There's a place that I get uh, leftovers from just once a week, Sunshine Market. And I bring them eggs and when I'm coming back from Leavenworth, so there was lots of boxes there today. Very satisfying to put that all out to those chickens and know that we're uh, you know, like something like 25 acres of land don't need to be planted because we're, we're doing that. So now, back at the other place because we have the chickens up at the new place. And it's harvest time for the shallots, which are one of my favorite things. Um, so easy to grow, and they're like a super special food to put into whatever we make. And now they're all ready, so harvesting those. And let's see, I think uh, in the last week I didn't actually spend any time on, uh, on just like like thinking about calm. Because I... I was actually getting ready to go up to my uncle's funeral, which I was participating in helping to officiate and had my mind on that. But, um, yeah, I, I continue to think like that's that's sort of what, what there is to offer. In fact, one of those people at the funeral afterwards, someone I didn't didn't know very well at all, she goes up, How do you be so calm? She wanted to know about being calm, and so I just took a couple minutes there. Uh, kind of in the reception afterwards and explained it, but, like, it's not like this kind of thing you can explain, right? I mean, you can, but, but then it just ends up being in your head. Like, oh, I get that, instead of like, oh. Like, take a moment and look at a point. Look at a point out there somewhere and say, I see that tree. Slow your life down to the speed of your voice and then say I see the space between myself and that tree and all of a sudden you've brought your attention to something that has nothing in it and as soon as you do that your stress response recognizes that you're responding to nothing and since there's nothing to respond to stress is always a response to something your stress response turns off. And if your stress response doesn't turn off, then just pay attention to what you're responding to or what you're paying attention to that's it's not this space between whatever you, you know, whatever is that space between you and whatever you're looking at. It's really pretty simple. And if you just keep playing with this, it will transform your life. I'll find a point and say, I see that tree or that doorknob or whatever it is. And I see the space between myself and that doorknob. And let your life be a reaction to the space that has nothing in it and then operate from there. Like I mentioned last week, um, I did this very unaccustomed thing of making an investment. And then uh, in the week since, up to now, just kind of thinking about, oh, does that make sense or what? And Just really noticing how my attention is there and how uh, I let my attention be there rather than sometimes operating from the space of calm and realizing, oh, I could be in the space of calm all the time. And then, and then noticing again something and saying out loud and bringing myself back to a space that has nothing in it like if we're just living the routine, it's definitely a more doable thing. And then when something new, like that investment, comes in, you know, it's like, oh, that kind of grabs my attention, and I sort of need to consciously bring my attention back to this space that has nothing in it. And it was nice to be able to officiate at my uncle's funeral and just really be using this awareness of calm uh, during during that service. My sense is that when we're looking into that calm, that space that has nothing in it, it's completely linked to the space that has everything in it. Infinity, source, God space, whatever you want to call it. And that's a really... Um, comforting place to offer words from at a funeral. And his uncle was a really special guy to me. He, You know, I really loved that guy, and I, I kind of lost my capacity to speak right there at the beginning. Just stood there. But as a pastor, I've had that happen before, and so it didn't freak me out. Just stood there waiting for the voice to come back. To be able to say in front of everybody how much I loved this uncle, what a difference he made in my life, and he was a person who, who would listen. He I mean, listened to lots of people, but he listened to me. And uh, how special that was. So really nice to be able to do that. I remember one time when I was little. I was telling a story to him. He was down visiting our house from Canada. I remember this one time where actually his listening stopped it, it, and it appeared to me like his eyes glazed over and he quit listening to me. And and I, um, I remember that because growing up and really through my life I've had this sense like, oh, people don't really listen to me. And uh, that time when he did that uh, you know, he, he kind of apparently lost his lost his patience for my childhood childish stories there for a moment, and I go, "Oh!" And I know that in much of my life, I have spent my my energy trying to speak so carefully that uh, people would people would not drift on their attention. Which I guess, in one way, is kind of a neat way to be a pastor because you're always like checking. Are people paying attention now? You're always trying to make sure you're saying something that's worthy of keeping someone's attention captured. Like, unlike this podcast here, where I can just ramble and hope something comes out. Because you got the stop button right there, which is a wonderful thing. But um, you know that was an important, important experience in my life. Actually, from that uncle, that time that, that his listening didn't didn't hold. And normally it did, and so it really struck me, and it really made me feel like, oh, I need to super pay attention to what I say and how people listen to keep them from drifting away and not listening to me. Somehow, people not listening to me, that was like a really bad thing in my, my awareness back then. So it was really nice at this service to not be in that space anymore. It's something I've been aware of for a long time, and... It was something that memory reconsolidation has really helped me with. Right? I've talked about it before, but I guess it's like the thing I had to talk about. So, this memory reconsolidation where you pay attention to the thing that's not common in your life. And for me, one of those things was like if people don't listen, if, you know, if I sense that I'm saying something and they're not listening, uh, that, I'm on guard all of a sudden. That's not a good thing in my life. And uh, it wasn't like that went away right away for me. But what I did was I just kept continuing to pay attention to what came up around not being listened to. Things like, well, it's my responsibility to take care of things. how can I possibly take care of things if I'm saying things in a way that people aren't hearing me? And then just this, this sense, gosh, people, people don't listen to me. So um, you know, what do I do to get them to listen to me? Just as things came up, uh, emotions came up, whether they were anger, fear, or sadness, or different things, I would reconsolidate them. I would ice them. And the science of icing something goes like this. Um, we, store, we store our experiences in our neural networks. And so for me, one of the things that I stored was uh, this memory of my uncle not listening to him that time when I was telling him a story as a young kid and if I go back to that memory it's done already so it's calm now but if I go back to that memory what I what I notice is that usually there's an emotion attached to it and I think it was probably fear And if I let myself be in the presence of that fear again, which I can, just let your awareness go back into the past, into the experience. Boy, it's nice picking these shallots. You let your awareness go back into that experience and you feel the emotion. And then you let yourself feel where you feel it in your body. Our bodies and our minds are connected. The networks of the nervous system are made of the same uh, nerve cells and axons and dendrites. They're connecting uh, wiring between them, and then the, the linkage points are called synapses. And that's just the same as what's happening in our brain all the time, except the brain is a much more dense connection of these brain cells, which are the same as nerve cells. And then they extend out into the body, or they extend from the body into the brain. And that's why when you feel an emotion, there's typically a corresponding feeling in the body, if you let yourself pay attention. And a lot of times we don't let ourselves pay attention. We, I mean, we don't even think of it. We just, just carry on. We're so used to that feeling, that, that non-calm feeling or that stressed feeling or whatever it is. It's just like, oh, that's our default. When I started working with this, I realized, wow, I just have this default low-level anger that I'd never even been aware of before. It was just so always there I didn't even know that it was there. And it's like walking a place that's so familiar you don't even notice it. Or driving, you have to drive to work every single day and you probably don't even notice the trip. It's so on autopilot. So give yourself the gift of noticing it. And when you've noticed the experience, the emotion and where you feel it in your body, you've activated this memory. And then the discovery of memory reconsolidation was you have a period of four to six hours to replace the emotion of what you activated with um, something so you don't feel the, the emotion anymore. So you, you have the emotion of calm. Which, as I said before, was like allows for the awareness of source, of infinity, of nothing, of everything. Now, in the science of memory reconsolidation in the laboratory, what they did was they, um, they used propranolol, um, a drug intervention that got in the way of the memory reconsolidating. And they did it with these mice. They had they tested these four mice, and they, they made them afraid of a water trap. And so every time the mouse saw the water trap, it was afraid. And if you took it away and bring it back the next day, it was afraid. So one day they brought it back to the water trap, showed it to it, activated the fear memory for the water trap, and then they took it away, and then they injected this propranolol. And then within a period of six hours, four to six hours, they brought the mouse back to the water trap. Lo and behold, it wasn't afraid. It was a shocking discovery. The sense prior to that had pretty much been that all memories, once you create them, are stored for the rest of our life. And the best you can do is just sort of adapt to them. Um, Do your best in the face of them, but you couldn't really remove the emotional content. And they have repeated these experiments with all different kinds of animals. uh, Seashells, all kinds of things. Not seashells, but uh, all different kinds of um, life forms. And they've shown that you can remove fear memories from all these different animals. There have been a few human studies in the labs, but they've uh, not done tons of them. And they talk about the potential for memory reconsolidation to be used um, in things as, uh, as important and severe as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. There's a researcher and a practitioner in, I think it's Holland or something. She's helping people with fear memories. There's a video of her working with uh, people who are afraid of spiders. And um, she's actually using uh, that same propranolol drug intervention to, uh, to remove the fear memory. But it turns out that um, when you're in a state of awareness of uh, calm or anger or fear or sadness, you are creating a chemistry that informs your body of how to be. And that chemistry can be used just like they use in the laboratory for pranolol um, to, to intervene in activated memories and replace the upset with calm. And so uh, I did this around that memory of my uncle uh, not listening or you know, just tiring out. No blame on him, but um, losing his attention my childhood story. And then after I activated that memory, I went out to a calm space, created chemistry, body reactivity that corresponded to calm. And then after that, just like they took the mouse back to the experiment to check, I went back into the memory of my uncle not listening to me, and it was calm. giving this um, officiating at the service for my uncle I did feel really calm didn't feel any of that old um, pressure that I used to feel when I was a pastor in the pulpit many years ago it wasn't like that was a bad pressure I always kind of thought well you know that motivates me and um, keeps me on my toes and stuff like that but you don't need that, I found. You can operate from a calm place. You can operate completely from a calm place. And at some point, what you realize is when you're not calm, that's just like not, not your standard feeling anymore. And so what there is to do is say I see that doorknob. And I see the space between myself and that doorknob. And if something gets in the way of you saying that, then say, oh, I see my concern about my dental appointment this afternoon. And I see the space between myself and that dental appointment. And then you check the dental appointment and you check what the emotion is and you find out, gosh, you're, you're afraid you're gonna have a root canal. And not only are you afraid of the root canal, but you don't have medical insurance and you're afraid of that bill however many thousands of dollars and you don't have the money to pay that right now. And so you feel that fear you feel that anger about the system that it's that crazy you can't even get medical care without um, being able to, have to go past what you're able to afford and you go back and you see the space again after you see the space you go back and you check your fear and your anger about your upcoming uh, dental appointment. You could live this way. Anyway, I like talking about this stuff. So I get to talk to that woman after the my uncle's service. to share a little bit about it. But you know, then you're like trying to share an idea. And I actually had her look at something. But there just wasn't really the time in that moment to share it. So pretty nice to be able to do these podcasts and just take the time to share it. What am I now, halfway down the row of shallots picked? And you're maybe halfway home if you're driving home or whatever you're doing and it's just fine to spend this time together. So, it's nice to be able to share this this calm. Chickens are doing good. We moved them. And we found out, oh gosh they got mites which are like these little bugs. so they do like a mosquito does they little bites and then they you know they have get a little blood from the chicken they can weaken the chicken. so now we're doing research on that. It sure does seem like with this whole chicken project you have one thing figured out and then the next one shows up a couple of weeks ago Ann was saying you know. Maybe you're like maybe you're like Job in the Bible, and uh, I laughed and I told someone else and I said, "Who's Job?" And there's a story about Job in the Bible, and he was like this person who was super faithful. And then one of the neighbors, or uh, I guess the story goes like God's out there saying, "Hey, look how faithful my my servant Job is." And one of the neighbors goes, "Yeah, he's only faithful to you because he's got everything he needs, everything he wants." God goes, no, 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 he's faithful because he's faithful to me, because he loves me. He goes, "Ah, I don't think so. You take everything away from him, I bet he's, I bet he's not going to be faithful to you. I bet he's not going to love you anymore. Anyway, God says, well, let's, uh, let's test this out. That's really great, huh? And so, little by little, Job loses everything, stays faithful. God says, see? He goes, Wow still got his health. So he gets sick and he gets sores on him. He's just sitting around this fire with ashes, putting ashes on himself. And and uh, he's like, hey there, I'm doing my little podcast, honey. Yeah. Tell him about that story about Job. <clears throat> and so Job's there around that fire and he's uh, just totally sick unto death. And he's like, you know, I don't even understand why I'm alive anymore. He says, but I still, I still am, you know, a servant of the Lord. or Whatever he said exactly there, but basically didn't didn't give up on that relationship he had uh, with his understanding of God. Even though, like, everything had been taken away from him, he was completely just, like, not understanding why he had his life going anymore. And uh, so finally, God says to the neighbor, see? And the neighbor goes, oh, I guess you were right. So there they were, they had this little cadoodle going. All that suffering Job did to just uh, prove to the neighbor, it's like, that's a weird story. But anyway, everything comes back to Job, and Job's fine. But it was uh, this thing, like, I think Ann was just saying, it's like, oh, man, it sure does seem like one thing after another, after another, making this a challenge. And when we started, I was really like, you know, what a brilliant idea it is to just use this food that's otherwise being landfilled and otherwise um, you know, such a negative in our in our society and the cost of it and the waste of it and all of that stuff and just use it to feed these chickens. And well, that part of it's good. We're getting these amazing eggs out of it. And we are now up to saving like 25 acres and. But, like, it's just not that easy. Like I was telling you last time, we lost 134 chickens when we made the move. So now I'm getting 14 dozen eggs a day instead of 19 dozen eggs a day. And uh, pretty soon the young ones will, I think actually they are starting to lay. So we're going to get back up there in the numbers. And we get 800 new chickens coming at the end of August. But it's like, this has not been a trivial adventure. And we go up there to the new land. and So now I'm up there a couple hours in the morning feeding them and taking care of them. And then go back in the afternoon and collect the eggs. But now it's not even like I'm around the chickens all day. It used to be I could have the chickens there when I was working in the garden like this. They were over there and I could hear them. That was really nice. And now we're not even there all day. So getting used to that too. It's just very interesting. Still feels like a very good thing to be involved in dirt soil microbes fungi life food all this stuff a blue sky oh we do have actually a slight haze um, in the sky and one of the things about living here in chelan eastern washington or in the western united states is forest fires and in the last couple of years boy have we ever had a lot of smoke from forest fires coming down from Canada, so we were up at that funeral, and one of my cousins, he's a, a logger, and uh, they've had so many fires up there that it's impacting uh, logging in the area, and, and we've been getting so much smoke from these Canadian fires coming down. Um, and then now it's early August, and this is the first bit of smoke we've had coming into the, into the valley, so... Um, some years it starts way earlier, and usually it's not human caused. Usually it's a lightning storm or something that causes it, so it's not like there's this maliciousness usually going on. Once in a while it's a campfire. Um, but, yep, lots of woods out there, lots of material, and in these hot, dry summers, it's pretty common to get a significant fire. So, we'll see if this turns into something or if it's just something they're able to get out really quickly. Hot and dry, but there's no wind today, so that's nice. Yep, getting towards the end of the shallot row here. That's the story on the chickens. That's the story of Job. And I'm looking forward. I think we're going to have like shallot eggs tonight or something like that just something completely from the garden maybe pick some kale go with it the beets are doing really well might even try to harvest a potato it looks like some of those might be ready for us too yeah i'm not sure what else there is to say today very nice to be with you checking in I'll give this over to the folks that are putting it all together. My gratitudes to them, to Kent as he puts this podcasting service together, and to Mira and Urush who do the technical part of creating this stuff and telling me, no, no, you you cannot record in your diesel truck. We cannot hear what you're saying. (laughs) So nice to be in a community of people who are helpful. Hopefully this is uh, useful to you just thinking about that space it's calm. About the possibility of living out of it, uh, I've enjoyed um, the, the contacts with people as you apply this to your life, and I wish you continued, continued blessings and um, well, just been finding that space of calm to live from. It's like why not? We're all gonna we're all gonna go to wherever it is that my uncle Tom is now after he passed away. We always have been, always will be part of that infinity. We could just lift from that awareness, like right now. Seems like a good thing. So, all right, blessings and peace. Set at the service, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Always loved that those words. Love to say those every week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace this day, every day, and into eternity. All right, well, I'll be back next week with episode 12. Thanks for harvesting shallots with me. Have a great day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, well, thanks for uh, joining in on episode 11 here in Chicken Space. Appreciate that a lot, and uh, all the best wishes for a good day. It was nice to share with you again just this uh, this possibility of living from a calm place and actually bringing calm to the stored pieces of our life that, that uh, haven't been calm and that we can actually restore them to calm and live from this place, uh, the sense of nothing and everything, of calm, of God's space, infinity. Um, whatever you want to call it. So good wishes for the experience of that week. Looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. I wonder will will you hold me like